Hello and welcome to Vaccine 15, a weekly mini-series covering key topics about vaccines in 15 minutes or less. This is brought to you by Biopod here at the University of Edinburgh. Today we'll be talking about how vaccines are supposed to work and how they block transmissions. To discuss this, we're talking to Dr. Neil Mabbott with us here at the University of Edinburgh. Hi Neil, it's great to have you on. It's a pleasure to speak to you. So, first question, what gets you through the day? Are you a tea or a coffee person? Uh, well, in the morning I'm a coffee person and I'm very much a morning person as well. Uh, but, I mean, I'm a research scientist and uh, there's always the opportunity or the, the chance during the day that you might discover something new. So I'm always keen to go through that data that we might, we might have just uh, had and think about those experiments we're going to do today because you never know, we might get that big that big result today. So that's what kind of keeps me going. That's a great answer to the question that I didn't expect. I probably uh, annoy my group because I'm always like, what did you get for the result from that experiment, etc. I'm really keen to know what's happening. Yeah, so you have scientific caffeine as opposed to... Yeah, <laughs> science running through my veins. <laughs> okay, so uh, let's get into the more uh, scientific details here. Uh, so we're really curious to know what what effect is a vaccine supposed to have? What is a vaccine meant to do? Okay, well, the vaccine can can work in in many different ways. Uh, what we're trying to hope we can do with the coronavirus vaccines is reduce deaths and people going into hospital with serious disease. That was the first primary objective of these vaccines to try and reduce the burden on our NHS and. You only have to look at the data that we're seeing in, in, in the press and in the, in the news on a daily basis now, and the vaccine seems to be working incredibly effective at doing that. In conjunction with that, what we also want to do is stop individuals that are passing it on to other people. So breaking the link of, of transmission. So if I become infected with the vaccine, sorry, with the virus, I can't then spread it to the people around me. And if I do become infected, hopefully the vaccine will stop the, the virus spreading around my body, causing serious disease, and then we ended up in hospital, etc. Okay, so you, you say that really a vaccine is meant to stop you from, from spreading it. That's one of the key things. So how can it do that? Multiple ways. One would be actually stopping you becoming infected in the first place. So if you have sufficient antibodies or maybe T cells or other components which have been induced by the vaccine. If the virus enters your body, those can immediately attack the virus as it enters the body, snub it out, and that stops the transmission because there's no more, there's no more virus left. Another way, of course, is if the virus or any other pathogen actually can start to cause an infection because it can sneak into cells, etc., and start to replicate, then when it's released from those cells, you're then hoping that the components that the vaccine has induced, maybe antibodies, etc., Will allow it to be snubbed out, to be mopped up, etc., destroyed, so that you can't pass it on or, or reduce the amount of virus which you then shared by breathing out. So you're starting to reduce that, that transmission chain. So it can work, work they can work in multiple levels. So when you say it, it reduces the amount of, of virus, is that by destroying the virus as it replicates? Is it by stopping it from replicating? Depends on the virus and the pathogen you're working at, yeah. It can be as the virus is released from the cells, the antibodies then stick to that virus and, and lies it. And that might be the way that it's working with the coronavirus. The, the antibodies here are working by bursting open those virus particles so they're no longer they no, no longer work. Of course, that doesn't account for the actions of the T cells. 
and the T cells recognize infected cells because they, they recognize different types of components of the virus, which the cell are expressing on their surfaces to say, hang on guys, I've been infected by a virus. And so those T cells can then come along, identify those infected cells and kill those cells. So in the same way, you're, you're, you're destroying the virus by different kinds of ways. So there are multiple levels in which this, this can work. Another way might be you're decorating the virus with antibodies. And these allow other cells of the innate immune system these cells can go around and gobble up pathogens and, and, and destroy them in that way as well. And so with the COVID vaccines, are they ones that um, try to improve your immune system reaction to it or do they target the virus in other ways? Yeah, might... there, there, I mean, there are multiple vaccines and they've been produced at breakneck speed. All appear to be working incredibly effectively They're using very different ways of achieving the same outcome. What, what the vaccines are doing is training our bodies or immune systems, I should say, to recognize the, the spike protein, which is on the surface of the, the virus. And this is a spike protein, which enabled, enables the virus to stick to our, our, our body's cells and allow it to enter those cells and cause disease. The vaccines will produce antibodies against the spike protein. And so if, if the antibodies bind to the spike protein, that can uh, either stop those cells, those viruses, been able to interact with host cells. As I pointed out, it might neutralize essentially those virus particles. And of course, there might also be the T cells as well that can recognize when those viruses have gone into the host cell. So again, the immune system tends not to work just by one solitary factor, very much a team effort between those, uh, I mentioned the innate immune system. So that's our immediate response to an infection. It doesn't require vaccination, etc. cetera. Uh, it's, it's, uh, macrophages, et cetera. They, they just go around gobbling up pathogens, but that does still require some adaptive immunity and it's the vaccine which is doing that. It's, it's, it's building up that, training our immune systems to recognize the features of the coronavirus so that should we experience it uh, months, years down the line, our body's already trained and can recognize it immediately and hopefully protect us. So it's not like you're trying to address one specific way of the immune system targeting the virus. You're just kind of showing the immune system the virus and then the immune system just does its thing and tries to attack in all the ways it can. Yeah, kind of. And, and certainly, I mean, obviously all the, the, the vaccines we're using so far, so the, for example, the messenger RNA vaccines, and they're all designed on training our immune system to recognize that spike protein. There's no coronavirus in the vaccines, just one feature of those uh, of the coronavirus, which is obviously incredibly important for that, vi that virus. So we're training our immune systems to recognize that by producing antibodies. And there's been lots of focus on antibodies because essentially they're, they're pretty straightforward to measure in, in serum from, from the challenged indivi the individuals in the test, etc. And they appear to be producing quite nice levels of antibodies and data we have so far suggests that that's maintained for at least eight months, which is, which is great news. Obviously, we need to do more research to find out how long that that immunity is, is maintained for. Will that drop off after nine months? Um, perhaps we'll need a booster in, in, in a year's time, maybe two years' time, maybe 10 years' time. We don't know yet. And likewise, there, there is T cells as well that the, the vaccine will induce. So there's not too much focus on those uh, at the moment, but they're also key and important to all this response. Yeah, so I, I guess the antibodies are quite easy to find. Is, is there any way to measure if um, vaccinated people have T cells that are ready to detect the virus? There are, but you need a laboratory to do this because you need to do a T cell specific assay. So they're, they're, they're a little more complicated, hence the reason why we, know, we don't know quite as much 
about how the vaccines are impacting on, on the T cells. For mass testing, it's much easier to take blood samples and, and look for antibody levels in. Now, in, the, in all the news about the vaccines, we've heard a lot about the goal of herd immunity. Yeah. So could you explain to us what exactly herd immunity is? Yeah, I mean, herd immunity, we've, we've all learned about herd immunity during this pandemic, haven't we? It was mentioned at the very beginning, actually, when it was thought that maybe this was the, the approach was being used. Herd immunity is a way of protecting the community through building up sufficient immunity in that population. Of course, the vaccines are incredibly effective. Uh, some of them reported to be up to 90% effective. But that still means that 10% of the population won't have anywhere near sufficient level of protection. There is a chance that if a population became infected, those which aren't, don't have immunity, will become infected, can spread disease, might get serious disease, etc. The idea of herd immunity is you have sufficient level of protection in the immunity in the population, either through vaccination or through natural infection. So some of us will unfortunately have had, had disease and hopefully recovered. And that will likewise will have trained our immune systems to be hopefully be protected next time around. Yeah. The idea of herd immunity is, is, is that if then a population of people where the majority have been either vaccinated or previously in, infected, if, if the virus infects that population, the idea is that there's sufficient level of protection in that population to stop it spreading. So if if you've got 80% of the population, the virus has only got a two out of 10 chance of contacting somebody in, in that environment, which is likely to be infected. Uh, and that's the, that's the essentially the idea of herd immunity. And that's what we're hoping to do now with the, the, the vaccine rollout is to as quickly as possible uh, vaccinate or fully vaccinate, I should say, as many people as possible in the population. So we all have vaccine induced immunity or perhaps also some in infection induced immunity. So that if we if we can reach that, then if we open our borders and somebody by whatever circumstances imports a case of coronavirus back into the UK, it can't spread or has very little chance of spreading because all the people around that case have, have some immunity. That's how herd immunity essentially works. And that's why as we go through this age group, it's really important that as we go to the younger groups where it could be argued perhaps there's some vaccine hesitancy, et cetera. It's still really important that they get vaccinated as well. They may be at a much, have a much reduced chance of being infected and getting serious disease with coronavirus, but they still may be able to spread it on to other others which aren't protected. But of course, that we're talking now about the UK, but of course there are other parts of the world which are much less fortunate than the UK and haven't had anywhere near as much coverage. Because one thing we will be very aware of is there are, the virus mutates and so we get these var these variants not all the mutations are uh, of an advantage to the virus some are some are catastrophic to the virus it can can no longer thrive and so it kills off that, that variant. some of course by chance will make it more perhaps more easily able to spread through a population or maybe in some way maybe evade to some degree the immunity that the vaccines are offering and so what we want to be able to do is deliver those vaccines as quickly as possible. And so that, that's a big concern, personally for me at least anyway. So we, I mean, we, we have been very effective in the UK in delivering these vaccines as quickly as possible. So I really would urge anybody, as soon as they get their opportunity, please, please go ahead because that, that's how we will get 
we will get back to normal. And I guess that's how we'll stay at a normal level as well if we have reached herd immunity, because then we don't have to worry about ever like it out getting another outbreak again and again and again as has kind of happened over the last year. Fingers crossed, I would say. There's there's always an exception to the rule in biology. I I would say mm-hmm. we have to hope that in other countries around the world where there hasn't been the the opportunity yet to vaccinate their population for whatever whatever reason. Uh, a mutant doesn't arise, which can now evade the, the vaccines which we've all been given. One, one thing we should bear in mind, though, is that we are very fortunate in the, the vaccines were designed at breakneck speed. And I remember I've been seeing interviews with Professor Sarah Gilbert, who was one of the instrumental in the team which designed the, 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 the AstraZeneca vaccine. Essentially, she was able to uh, redesign one of the vaccine formats over a weekend to, to, wow. to yeah exactly yeah i mean we, th- we think these vaccines are made like uh, a breakneck speed and corners cut etc that's not true at all and so what she was able to do as soon as the, the coronavirus genetic sequence became available she was able to look at it say okay how about we target or we use a the the spike protein the, the coronavirus spike protein as our antigen for this vaccine she was able to take out that uh, genetic sequence, insert it into a, her own vaccine format, design that on a computer over the weekend, and then could start rolling out the, the production. So what, what we are able to do, what, what I was explaining this for, is what we are able to do now is, is essentially to readily update our vaccines almost at a very short note. Obviously, it takes a long time to make the, the, virus, the, the vaccines themselves, but they can be redesigned at reasonably short notice and, and relatively straightforwardly as well. So that should a variant of concern, which might hinder uh, the efficacy of our, our vaccines arise, these can be quickly adapted for rolling out in the winter, say for, perhaps for, for booster programs. Yeah, and I mean, that's also, it's a quite a positive note because this, this gives us hope for the future that future infections um, might be able to get under control quick, more quickly if we have sort of a generalised approach of that. Oh, no, ex- exactly. I mean, it, it, it was an extremely, extremely good foresight to, to, to use this kind of pro- approach. And, and that's essentially why they designed it. And yes, every hope that we'll be able to use these kind of formats now for a multitude of, di- of different pathogens. That's great news. And I think that's a great positive note to end on. Um, so thank you very much for coming to talk to us, Neil. We've we've heard a lot from you. We've learned how a vaccine can block transmission. We've learned what our immune system does in response to a vaccine and then how we can use that to hopefully achieve herd immunity and go back to normal. So thanks again for coming and thanks for listening, everyone. Don't forget to look us up on Twitter at Biopod Edinburgh and subscribe to the Biopod podcast on your platform of choice. Bye.